Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Listen, I'm excited to be in God's house. Hey, man, excited to be watching online. James chapter 2, James chapter 2 uh, for those of you who don't know, James is the brother of Jesus. Yes, literally the brother of Jesus. Uh, and it's amazing that he considers himself, that he knows he is the brother. But if you read James chapter 1, the way he starts out, he starts out speaking as being a bond servant of the Lord. A brother that's committed to being a bond servant. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Before we get into it, if you don't mind, just repeat after me in-house online. Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears so that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. 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 Uh, James chapter 2, verse 14 through 17, just three verses if you don't mind. Three, yeah, four verses. Uh, I want to read to you today. This is what the word of the Lord says for the people of the Lord. It says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can the faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and let you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that. Catch this, verse 17. This is the one that should knock the, the wind out of our sails. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. Being by itself. Faith without works is dead. For a moment today, I just simply want to pose a question for a title, and this question is simply this. Why are you waiting to work? Grab a seat. Grab your popcorn. Go on and get your juice. It's about to go down. Why are you waiting to work? I love James. I love reading about James because he gives me this unique perspective. Can you imagine being the little brother to Jesus? I mean, Jesus, you turning water into wine. Jesus, you recover sight to the blind. Jesus, you just uh, make a lame man walk. Jesus, you walking on water yourself. Jesus, everybody, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I mean, that would be so irritating to have Jesus as a big brother. But here it is, James, he doesn't see it as a problem. He sees it as a purpose. And, and, and even though Jesus is his brother, James still views himself as a bound servant. In other words, he's in debt to Jesus Christ. It's amazing. I didn't understand that for a long time, but I understand the value of that now being a pastor of a church that my, my uh, father and my aunt and even my mother-in-law attend. Being a pastor of a church that my father, my aunt, and my mother-in-law attend. And, and see, I remember my, the same daddy that takes directions from me is the same daddy that used to put that belt on my butt. I, I remember that very well. Uh, I remember the same mother-in-law that loves me was the same mother-in-law that say, don't get, come on my porch right now. Uh, she can't have no company back then. I, I remember. I remember those things. But yet and still, though we have those forms of relationships from the past, as of now, they still view and honor me as their pastor. 
They still viewing honor me as a, as a pastor. For a long time, my dad would call me pastor, pastor. And I was like, daddy, just call me Chris. Call me son. Don't call me pastor. But he was like, no, you are my pastor. He came to the 830 service. He was sitting in here, and he said, and he just gleans. He takes the word of God as if I'm just somebody he's never known before, and he honors me and loves me at his pastor. That level of relationship that says, even though I know I can push my authority upon you, even though I know I can do what I want to do, because of what God is doing in you and through you, that trumps whatever I can do. And so I honor you for that. And that's what James is doing in the text. And so when James writes, I don't take that lightly because James could have been a little brother to say, I'm going to tell mom and daddy on you. You turn that water into wine one more time, it's going to go down. I'm going to tell on you. James could have been that little brother to go tell everybody, yeah, Jesus is my big brother. You know, he can do it. I can do it too, little mama. It's going to go down. James could have been that dude. But James is like, no, I'm not going to be that dude. I'm going to submit to the will and the way of the Lord. He sought Jesus for who he really is. And as a result of it, he submitted to the will of the Lord. And submit to the will of his big brother. He submitted to the will of the Lord. He sought more from the kingdom than he did from the world. And as a result of it, he submitted to the will of the Lord. I wanted to talk today about serving. I want to talk today about serving, and it's important that we understand the value of service because I believe that many of us are not being successful in life because we're not serving in life. Many of us are not being successful in life because we are not serving in life. I know we give. I know we show up. But some of us are not serving. Don't leave the church. Don't walk away. Don't check out. It ain't just about serving the church. It's more so about serving the kingdom of God. I want to make sure to suggest that when you elect to serve the kingdom of God and you're able to display that through the church, then you can begin to experience the success that God really has for you in your life. And this is just not something that I believe. This is something that James believes. James writes it in the text, and he talks about some of us as believers, all of us that come in and say, I know God is going to do some great things. I know God is going to open doors. I know God is going to make a way. We have the faith, but many of us don't have the works. Many of us don't have the works. See, this is one of those scriptures, if you grew up in church, you just kind of ran by and you didn't spend a lot of time with it. It was just one of those scriptures that maybe you quoted. It was an easy one to remember. But do you really understand the value of having faith and works? I know sometimes we get caught up in understanding that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. And so I understand that we can have faith that allows us to wait. But what do you do in a season where God is saying, I need you to have faith that allows you to work? That I need you to have faith that gets you out of your bed even though you're depressed and begin to pray. I need you to have faith even though your marriage is in shambles, you still try to work that thing out. I need you to have faith that even though you have a job that does not appreciate you, you still go to work and you put your best foot forward. When will we stop waiting and start working? That's the question of the day. That's what we have to ask ourselves because many of us, fail to put forth the work. I told a story a couple of months back about something I've heard a lot of preachers preach over and over. They tell this story of this man who went out in his boat. Went out in his boat, his boat broke down in the middle of the ocean, and he had faith that God was going to deliver him. He prayed and he said, God, I need you to make a way. God, I need you to provide. Come on through, God. I need you to be delivered. He wanted them good deacons from the Baptist church, so he was out there getting it in. It was going down on that ocean. And so here he was praying that God made Away. 
While he was stuck out in the ocean, uh, the pastors would preach, and they would tell the story that a cruise liner came through. Party people, they all on the boat. is turning up, and they like, hey, you okay down there? They, they're trying to pull him in. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm waiting on God. Cruise man, you sure? I can bring you in. We got enough room. No, I'm good. Thank you. I'm just going to wait for God to make a way cruise ship. They going to head to Cozumel, move on about their thing, do they? Do their business. Next thing you know, a fisherman comes out, and he, he's noticing that the boat has been sitting there while he's been fishing. He's like, man, he's just a little, he's a little bit too far out by himself. Let me go see if I can help him. He reaches over, he rolls over, does whatever he does, goes to him, and he's like, sir, you all right? I want to help you. And the guy said, no, good to see you, but I'm waiting on God. Fisherman is puzzled. What do you mean you're waiting on God? If you need help, I'm here to help you. No, 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 no. Go ahead about your business. I'm waiting on God. The fisherman leaves, but he doesn't want to leave the man out there, so he calls the coast guard. He says, man, something, something ain't right about that dude. He out there broke down in the middle of the ocean, and I tried to help him, but he didn't let me help him. Y'all might want to go check on him. So coast guard sends a boat out, sends a helicopter out. They go out, and they go to check on him, and they're trying to, to rescue him. He's like, no, no, I'm fine. They could have very well tugged the man out, made him leave, but he's like, I promise you, I'm okay. I'm just waiting on God. Because he was responsive, coast guard went ahead and left and went on a about their business and said they'll just monitor the situation. A day later, the man dies. When he makes it to heaven, and he makes it to heaven, and he's in front of God, he's like, God, listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm grateful to be here. But what happened? God's looking at him puzzled. What do you mean what, what happened? I had faith in you, and you didn't show up. God says, what do you mean I didn't? Show up. I, I, I was there struggling in the midst of the ocean. I was there waiting on you to provide for me, to bring me out of the situation I'm in, and you never showed up. And he began to tell him, maybe you misunderstand, because when that cruise boat came your way, that was me all day long. I sent them. They weren't even supposed to be that way. A hurricane happened on the other side. They had to come your way. I sent them to you. You turned them down. Not only that, but the fishermen went out and fished that day. And I let him stay out there a little bit longer, gave him a little bit more daylight, just so he could rescue you. And yet and still you told him no. And if that wasn't enough, I sent the Coast Guard. And yet and still, you did not take advantage of that which I sent you. The man stood there and was puzzled, and God suggested that it's okay to have faith in me. But if you won't work with me, there's nothing I can do. Many of us are sitting in our seats. Many of us are sitting at home. Many of us are walking through life in our marriage, and we got all the faith in the world. We're believing it. We're gritting our teeth. We're enduring it, but we are not willing to put in the work. We're not willing to put in the work to receive what God has for us. Some of us have been praying for a raise forever. We've been praying for a raise forever. God, I need you to show me that, that they love me and they're going to appreciate me and they're going to give me more money and everything is going to be all right. But you can't show up to work on time. Is that a God problem or your problem? Some of us have been praying that our marriages get better, but we won't fix the areas where we are the problems in our marriage. We have the faith, but we will not put forth the word. And the reason why this stuck out to me, because as we were enjoying this beautiful conference and seeing all these amazing people serving and, and, and seeing all these people growing and things are happening, Cam just actually told me, we were talking about an area of ministry uh, at dinner the other night, and she was talking about it, and I was like, such and such this, such and such that. 
and I didn't even know when they went back to the conference, the people said the same thing I said. And I was like, oh, so I do know something. <laughs> Just because I'm in a little building don't mean I'm dumb. Okay. So, the, so that was my stance, but it lets me know that, and I, and, I, and I say this all the time because my frustration is oftentimes why aren't we growing? Why aren't we growing? We, we're taking in new people, things are happening, but why aren't we exploding? I study the same Bible they study. I'm actually younger than some of them. What's happening? And one of the things we identified when we went there is there's not enough serving. I'm sorry, y'all. It's for all of us. There's not enough serving. When you can count the people on your hand who keep your church running, the volunteers that keep things going for free, that, that's a, a problem. That's a problem. And so it begins to, to lead to me a problem. Why are people not serving? But before I even ask the question, why are people not serving, it begins to help me understand a bigger problem. Maybe people aren't experiencing the fullness of God outside of the church because they're not exploring the fullness of God inside of the church. I want to make sure that you understand this because this is not just a message that says that when you leave here today, you're going to join Brother Taylor and the Capture Crew and start taking pictures. This is not saying when you leave today, you're going to be a part of Brittany's Children's Ministry. It's not saying that when you leave today, you're going to join Sister Linda's uh, cleaning crew, facility crew. When you leave today, you're going to join the worship team. See, that ain't announcements. That's just me telling you the different ministries that's happening, and I'm trying to make sure that y'all get that. I'm just saying that people need you to help out. The reason why this has become a problem for me and, it, and it, it stains my heart is because if I can't get people to serve the kingdom in the church for the glory of God, a place that's supposed to be safe, a place that's supposed to be an okay place to be a Christian. You know what the church is? The church is um, science club for geeks. That's what the church is. The church is uh, a football event for an athlete. The church is the band room for a musician. That's what the church is for Christians. The church is the one place that people don't make fun of you for being who you are. You can come to church and be a praise dancer and ain't nobody going to laugh at you. You can come to church and speak a, po a poetic word over the, over, over the people of God for God and won't nobody laugh at you. You can come to church and speak in tongues. You can come to church and do sign language. All of these things you can do in the church and won't nobody say nothing except you did an amazing job. And so what got me is if people won't use their gifts in the church, how do I know they're using their gifts in the world? And it begins to show me that if people are not using their gifts in the world, then how are we supposed to get the world to come into the church? After all, the Bible has called us to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. But if we are not even the light and the salt in the building, how can we be the light and the salt outside? Yeah. And, and notice I said we. I'm not pointing fingers. I don't know if you're the problem or not. It's all of us. We all have a level of responsibility where we must, in the words of old Smokey, the prophet Smokey, you got to put in on this, man. You got to get involved in the process, and, and many of us struggle with being involved in the process. And the reason why I want you to serve, and I want to make sure that you understand this, because when you serve, you grow. And the way you see growth through your service is that you find areas of success. If you're walking through life and you feel like you're being bogged down and beaten down and everywhere and you have not succeeded anywhere in life, you're not serving. Because when you serve, you succeed. 
James is amongst a group of people, and they, they got all the faith in the world. But James is like, dude, I believe in him too. I was there. I seen him. He dug boogers right in front of me. But there's some <laughs> things that you got to do. I knew y'all would get that later. That just went right over y'all head. There's some things you got to do as a, as a believer. I wish it was as simple as you said yes to Jesus and he raptured you up and you ain't had to worry about this no more. I wouldn't even be here bothered with y'all right now. I would have been saying yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. I would have said it many times as I need to say it just to get on up out of here. But the reality is that although we have faith to say yes, we still have to have the ability to do the work that he's called us to do. We still have to be willing to stay behind and serve God and show that he's faithful, that he's just, that he will provide, that he will make a way, that he will deliver us. But if we're not willing to serve, then how we succeed? James, the brother of Jesus, says himself that I am a bond servant of the Lord. That's what he says. I'm a bond servant of the Lord. Means that I am in debt to Jesus. Many of us don't feel like we're in debt to Jesus. Many of us feel like Jesus is in debt to us. Jesus, you owe me to deliver me. Jesus, you owe me to make a way. No, he owes you nothing. You should wake up grateful that God has given you another opportunity. But I'm not going to blame you. I'm going to blame whoever pastored you years ago and they didn't teach you the value of serving. We're just going to write that off and let them, let them deal with it. We ain't going to call no names. Don't somebody send no text messages. Just understand today, when you leave here, you have no reason not to serve. Because today, we're going to kill your reasons. That's what we're doing because we posed a question. We posed a question, and the question was simply this. Why are you waiting to work? Why are you waiting to work? And the key point, the key concept of this message is simply this. A thought is worthless without actions. That's tweetable. You can put that out there. Many of you got thoughts of being businessmen. Many of you have thoughts of being businesswomen. Many of you have thoughts of honoring your spouse and doing these great things, but without the actions, it's worthless. It means, it means nothing. It's essentially like me telling my wife, I thought about picking my clothes up off the floor. She would be like, mm, no, I ain't going to even say that. She, she gonna, Boy, you better get them clothes up. I got a ghetto wife. I'm sorry, y'all. She just gangster like that sometimes. But she, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just simply saying, I got the type of wife that if you don't pick your clothes up, you won't get no clothes washed. That, I bind them demons in the name of Jesus. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. See, like, you will wake up one morning with no drawers because you couldn't just take a clothes from one place to the other to make it easy on me. Faith without works is dead. That day I'm dead. I ain't going nowhere, Lord. I can't do nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to put them clothes where they belong. I want to get you to the point where you can put your works where your faith is. In the hood, they say put your money where your mouth is. But in the church, I want you to put your works where your faith is. I want you to put your works where your faith is. I don't want you to sit around and, and, and walk through life telling yourself, that I got all these great thoughts. God has shown me these great things, and you're not willing to do it. Can you imagine if um, Moses had a vision and didn't put forth the work? He didn't go set the people, children of Israel free. Can you imagine if Noah had the vision to build the ark and he never put forth the work and built the ark? 
If David had a vision to slay Goliath but never went and picked up the rock. People who see but don't do end up with nothing. I don't know about you, but I'm not a nothing person. I didn't invest so much. I didn't serve so much. I didn't surrender and give up so much to end up with a whole bunch of nothing. And when I figured out that my success is directly related to my service, it began to change the way I think about some things. And so today, why are you waiting to serve? I got three reasons that you may be waiting to serve. Today is the day to kill those reasons, but I want to make sure that you know those reasons because maybe you didn't identify those reasons. And James, along with some other scriptures, helps us identify those reasons. And reason number one that I believe that many of you fail to serve is because you're waiting on your purpose. I believe that many of you, number one reason that I'm not serving is I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what God wants to do through me. What is my purpose? Why am I here? I want to sum your purpose up in one scripture. And that scripture is found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 through 38, two scriptures. Uh, don't worry about it. It's not going to be on the screen. Just write it down. You can study it. But many of us have already heard this scripture. And this scripture simply says like this, then he, the he, the he being Jesus. So these are red words that you really need to pay attention to. This ain't somebody making up something. This is Jesus speaking. Then he said to his disciples, which if they were disciples and you're a believer, guess what? You're still a disciple. So whatever he said to them yet and still applies to you. So then he said to you, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Jesus says, man, there's plenty of success out there. There's plenty of things that y'all can achieve. There's nothing that can hold y'all back. The only thing, it ain't enough of y'all to get it done. It's not enough of y'all to get it done. So if you really want to get it done, pray for God to send the laborers so that we can go get the harvest. Y'all have totally missed it. I want to make sure that you get this on today. The harvest is already there. The problem is that we don't have enough people willing to do the work to receive the harvest. Y'all missed it. The people that we need to grow our church is already out there. They're already out there. They're looking for churches. They mo people moving. We're in Ellis County, one of the, the fastest growing counties it is. They're already there. The problem is ain't enough of us willing to go and do the work and say, how y'all doing? Are you looking for a church home? Okay, y'all don't care because it's about the church. Don't worry. The problem to fix your marriage is already there. Just pick up your clothes. I'm, I'm sorry, Jesus, that wasn't me. It's, it's already there. The question is, will you do the work? I, I went to the conference, and I seen one of my pastors, and I was looking at him from a distance. I was like, man, that's my homeboy over there. Man, he done slimmed down. He is doing his thing. And uh, then another pastor said, and I went over there and talked to him. And I was like, man, I ain't jealous. I ain't trying to judge you. Number. Boy, you look good, dude. You're doing your, your thing. I wanted that same thing he got, but I ain't about to put in the work. When he's telling me, man, I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go walking, and I make sure before I go to bed I do another walk-in. Homeboy, oh, I'm struggling to get one walk-in. You pulling two? No, I'm good. I want the results, but I'm not willing to put in the work. I got faith I can lose it. I got faith. And like I say, Jesus, if you ever just make that one pill that takes it away, I'm going to take it. I'm good. But you asking me to sweat? No, man, I ain't in them days no more. 
My body just don't shake like it used to. It's just, I mean, it ain't working for me. I have faith, but I have works. And as a result of having faith without works, I receive no results. And so then I have to stop complaining about where I am. My wife wonder why you shop so much. It, t- it takes a lot to make a big boy look good. I got to invest in him. Man, I mean, slim boys, they can go to Ross. They got their size on the shelf every day. Big boys, we got to search. It got to go down. I got to make some things happen. So I have to stop complaining, and as a result of stop complaining, I just find a way to compromise. I find a way to hide this little thing, make it not look so big. The problem is I can do that with my weight right now. But when my weight becomes a health issue, I can't do that no more. The problem is that many of us are dealing with issues within our lives that are killing us. Faith without works is dead. You got some things that are dead in your life. And you've been trying to compromise for far too long, just trying to have that faith without them works. And they're dying. There are elements about you that is dying. And as a result of it, you should want to do something about it. Why do I not want to do something about it? Number one reason is I don't know my purpose. Matthew tells us our purpose is simply this, because God has something greater for you, and if you want access to something greater, you got to put the work in. You got to make things happen. Nothing comes easy. You got to get up and go for it. Whatever it is that you're looking for in your life, it's okay to believe God for, but do you understand that the reason why you have to work, because what you're waiting for is actually waiting on you. Catch this. Two things that are waiting on each other will never reach each other. Y'all missed it, man. Somebody got to start working for that thing. Two things that are waiting for each other will never reach each other. But as long as we're sitting still, we're not growing. And many of us feel comfortable because as long as we're sitting still, we're not regressing. We're not falling back. We're still, we're still surviving. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of surviving. I want to thrive. I want my marriage to thrive. I want my finances to thrive. I want elements in my life to grow. I want them to be better. But in order for them to get better, I got to put in the, got to put in the work. If I want my finances to get better, I can't just keep asking for a raise. I got to start budgeting. I might have to get one pair a month instead of three. (laughs) Some things that would have to change if I wanted to make this thing better. So if you needed a purpose, your purpose is because God has something greater waiting for you. And in order for you to get to it, the best way to get to it is you need to move towards it. Don't wait for it. Because it's been waiting on you. It's been waiting on you to say yes. It's been waiting on you to do what you're supposed to do. It has been waiting on you. This is why I, Brother Taylor, my wife don't get happy when I do pick up my clothes because she's been waiting on it. It, it, ain't, it ain't no amazing feat. Look, homeboy, we've been in this thing a long time, 13 years. And you just, oh, you want a cookie? Y'all know the story. Oreo, baby, bring it here. Cleaned up the garage the other day. Brought my crew home, and I was like, man, let's clean this garage up. Let's make this thing, make it, make it amazing, make things happen. I want to be able to get out of the car. She gets out the car, walks straight in the house. I'm sitting there waiting like, did you notice? <laughs> when people get used to seeing mess, they stop looking for your best. I'm trying to help y'all, man. 
When people get used to seeing your mess, they stop looking for your best. We should be on our best every day. If you need to know your purpose, your purpose is because something is waiting for you. You can't wait on it while it's waiting on you. So that deals with the people in the room and online that don't know their purpose. Your purpose may not be to preach. Your purpose may not be to sing, but your purpose is to succeed. And your success is directly connected to your service. I mean, look throughout the Bible. Anytime somebody succeeded, it was because they served. What are you serving? You're not serving man. You're serving God. Everything you do, you do it as if you're doing it unto God. When you go to work, you're serving God. When you're cooking for your husband or your wife, you're serving God. You should understand, find the joy in serving God. My wife would have been and left me if it was all about serving me. But she finds joy in it because she finds a way to, I ain't going to even say she finds joy in it. She tolerates it. Because she's honoring God. You have to honor God through your service. That is your purpose, to honor God. Your service leads to your success. If you want to be the Noah that makes it through the flood, build the ark. If you want to be the David that slays Goliath, pick up a rock. You have to do your part. Because faith without works is dead. Not only do you have to know your purpose, but the text reminds us that a part of servicing, and one of the principles I believe that reasons why people don't serve is because not only do they not understand their purpose, but they're waiting on a passion. They are waiting on a passion. Many people will not serve because they're waiting on, what am I supposed to do? What is for me? i got to find it. How in the world you get saved and you don't know what makes you happy? You had no problem with Club Shay making you happy. You had no problem with with uh what they call that stuff, Ciroc and everything else making you happy. And some of us, we still, I ain't gonna blame y'all, us, we in it. Stella Rose still makes us happy. We can find joy everywhere else. Except in the church. What is your passion. I'm waiting on my passion. Don't worry. I love the Bible because it has an answer for you. And if you write down and study it later on, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, you will find this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. For those of you who don't think you have a gift, let me remind you, you have a gift. You have a gift. There are some people that did different types of dancing in the world. We got kids in here, so we ain't going to call them out. But ain't nobody tell you to come to church and stop dancing. You just might need to be a praise dancer now. Cover it up, you know, look a little more presentable. Your same gift that the enemy used that gave you glory out there, you can flip that thing and give God glory in here. It's just a little subtle change, just a little subtle change. But you can give God honor. The biggest problem when we come to church is we stop trying to be who God has called us to be. If God created you to be a dancer, be a dancer. Just be the right dancer. Can I, can I, can I help you understand? I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. God ain't never asked nobody to be something he didn't create them to be. 
Did you forget when he went and recruited Simon Peter, he was in their boats and they cast the net and all that thing happened. And when they came to shore, he didn't tell them that, hey, you're going to leave here and be construction workers. That ain't what he said. They were fishermen when he found them. Guess what they were when they left? They were fishers of men. Just a little title change. Still same concept. Still going out and you having to search for it. You having to find them. You having to pull them on in. The, the process is still the same. Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say the problem is not that you don't have passion. The problem is that you left your passion. The reason you stop serving when you come to church is because you think that when you say yes to God, you have to say no to everything about you. No, you have to say no to everything about the world. God never messed you up when he created you. The things that brought you joy in the world can still bring you joy in here. If you love writing in the world, you can write in the church. There are things that you can do. So many times people are sitting on the sideline wasting their talent, wasting their gift. If you are an Instagram queen and king, you need to come be an Instagram king and queen for the Lord. We, we need people to get on this stage and be on camera for everybody to see them, to take pictures. We need that because that's just not for all of us. It's just not for all of us. I, I, I have to be on, on Instagram and Facebook now to keep a presence for the church, to keep a presence for the church. I, I love Jordans. I ain't going to lie. I love them. But I could care less about telling everybody every pair of Jordans I get. But you know why I do it? I'm going to be honest, because everybody care. That's what they care about. You put on there, oh, Pastor got a new kick. Oh, I really like them. I want those. Man, I've been looking for those. I can't find them. I got a shoe connect. It allows me to keep connected to the world. It allows me to keep connected to the world and bring them into my world. But every time I waste the time scrolling through and seeing what I need to say and who looking for something, guess what's happening? I'm not studying the Word of God. I would love to have people who say, God, this is my service. God, you know what? This is my lane right here. I know what's in. You know how hard it is to create a hashtag? That is a complex, something that's very small, but not, but catchy. You can't, I'm a preacher. I make everything long. I'm going to get on their hashtag, get it in for the Lord. And somebody else is just going to be like, nah, Pastor, that's too long. That's too long. That ain't catchy enough. Yeah, hashtag get it. I'm like, nah, I got more to say because you can get it for anybody. I want them to get it in for the Lord. But somebody has to be uniquely gifted to make that work. That's not my thing. If you want to serve the Lord, hold on to your passion. Whatever it was, some of you might be good landscapers. You think the church yard don't need to be cut to cut? Some of you, Sister Linda is operating in her passion. She can't stand Phil. She, she gets mad at me for leaving one screwdriver on the floor. And she holds it down. I don't, I don't know. My wife might need to take lessons from Sister Linda because I try to honor her space more than I do my own home. I, mean, I ain't scared of my wife. I'm scared of Sister Linda. I'm sorry, baby. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, and I'm being realistic, guys, seriously. Hold on to your passion. Your passion is what's going to make you successful through your service. Musicians, anybody can probably learn to play music. But loving to play it is what makes it amazing. Anybody could. The reason why I can't beat the drums like Anthony, I get over there and I stay in pocket. I'm a pocket killer. I'm going to make it happen. But all that tumming and twirling, and I've seen him over there a minute ago in his world. That, that's his passion. That's what he does. He loves to do it. The only thing that you're going to enjoy doing more than anything at the church is what you love to do. Don't change it. Just change it up. Don't get rid of it. So for those of you who are saying, that, look, Pastor, I haven't been serving because I just didn't know my passion. 
Now, listen, if your passion is not kids, if you tolerate kids, but you don't have a passion for kids, don't go messing with our children. Leave them alone. If your passion is not to be nice and greet and smile and wave, stay out of the parking lot and the foyer. Get away from it. Because that is what people are supposed to be warm and inviting. I understand sometimes we can get you to make it a Sunday, but don't make it every Sunday. Find your passion. Rediscover it so you can serve your purpose because God has given you a gift. Last thing, and we'll get on about it here, is this. Not only can you stop waiting on your purpose, not only can you stop waiting on your passion, but the last reason why I think people do not serve is because they're waiting for the place to serve. I don't have the right ministry. They don't, they don't have it yet. I don't, I don't see it. It's, it's not here. We didn't have what I like to call the click, click, the click crew now, which is our photography thing. I didn't even tell uh, Brother Larry that's going to be the name of it. We make a T-shirt, Click Crew, when they're dealing with the photography and the, and the video cameras to make everything happen. We didn't know. Uh, we knew that we needed it done, but there was no ministry. But then we find out we got a photographer in the church the whole time. How are you going to sit on the bench knowing we're struggling? I'm up here pre-service talking about Cam. Can you take some pictures of me like I'm preaching just so we'll have some things <laughs> posting? When that is what you are called to do. Larry, I'm calling you out in the midst of service. I'm just when you are gifted with that. Well, I don't, I don't, there's not, wasn't a ministry for it. Create it. Make it. Because God sends you here to fill a void. He sends you here to fill a void, and as a result of it, you have to be willing to step up and fill that void. Stop sitting around asking for somebody to say, waiting for somebody to come ask you to be a part of it. And I ain't saying grab a mic and come jump on the stage. There are certain positions we got to talk about now. We got we to we go through a process. But there are ministries and needs that, Theon, you better put that mic down, girl. <laughs> there are things that need to be done things that are going to help the church grow and make things happen. And if you're steady waiting for somebody to ask you to do it, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because Galatians chapter 5, because everything I say, I want to always give you a scripture to go with it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 14 says it like this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but throw, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. When I thought about this morning, that was really heavy on me because I really do love myself. I love myself. I'm going to make sure I'm taken care of. I'm going to make sure that I love my family. I'm going to make sure they're taken care of. But how much do I really love my neighbor? How much do I really love my neighbor? I'm blessed to be in a new community that is a pretty loving community. And every once in a while, somebody forgets to, to, to close their garage. And we're one of those communities where almost everybody got each other's number or somebody next door got that person's number. And you'll get a call and be like, Chris, you forgot to let down your garage. I'm going to go ahead and let it down for you. And they will go through the process, let your garage down for you. Uh, it, it's, it's been an amazing experience, amazing experience to be somewhere where I don't have to worry about if somebody is going to break into my house. I'm not saying it can't happen because it can. It can happen. But to know that the people around me have my back. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make sure this makes sense. There's enough people against me outside of my community. I don't need people against me inside of my community. 
there's enough people against me outside of my home. I don't need people against me inside of my home. There's enough people against me outside of the church. I don't need people against me inside of the church. What we have to understand is that we are called to serve each other through the freedom that has been granted unto us through Jesus Christ. We're called to serve one another because God has given us the life that we have. We are living vicariously through him. This is not even our own life. So we must move forward. We must move forward with honoring God through our service. If you're not willing to honor God through your service, then this is it and we're gone. It's a wrap. It's done. You're dead. You're dead. If you're not willing to honor God through serving him in your marriage, if you're not willing to honor God through serving him on your job, if you're not willing to honor God through serving him in the church, wherever you're not willing to honor God is, and this is it, you're dead. I want you to understand that we can stop praying for growth in areas that we've chosen to let die. My yard I had a bunch of weeds and didn't like it. Everybody else's yard looks very nice. You know, the perfectly cut, edged up yards with flush and I had those little yellow flowers growing through that wasn't supposed to be there. I would notice my neighbors would get out and they would be on their knees and they would be picking these things out with their shovels and cleaning it out and that would keep their yard fresh. They would seed it and, and it would look amazing. And I didn't want to do all that. I went to my favorite store. Y'all got Walmart and Target. I got Home Depot. Went to my favorite store, bought a bottle of Roundup, and I just went to spray it. Sprayed every weed that there was in my yard. What I didn't know is the way that Roundup is designed, that whatever it touches, it kills. So while I was just trying to kill the weeds, I also began to kill the grass. Areas round, big round circles because of the root systems and the way that they connect. Big round, brown circles were in my yard. Just dead. Just dead. All because I didn't want to get down and dig up a few things. I ended up having to tilled up circles and circles of big things to allow new life to grow in those areas. The reason why I bring this up to you is because if we can't fix it while it's small, then as it grows big, it becomes a bigger problem. If you can't fix your marriage in the first few years that you're dealing with it right now, what makes you think you're going to make it another 10? If you can't fix your job in the position that you're in now, what makes you think that you deserve to be a supervisor? If we can't fix the church at the size we are now, how are we going to handle it as God makes it continue to grow? If we cannot fix it while we're small, we will always struggle with it as we grow. My prayer is that as you leave here today, you leave here not, under, not only saying, God, I'm going to be willing to serve the church, but the reason why I'm going to be willing to serve the church, because if the church is a place that I don't get laughed at for serving you, maybe it's the place that allows me to grow stronger so that I can serve you in the world. See, 
I'm 39, and next year I will be 40. And they say your body changed at 40, and it just might not work out the way you want it to be. And so I said, well, I'm going to lose my 40 and 40. Everything about 40, I'm going to get on this journey between now and, and 40, I'm going to lose 40 pounds. When I turn 40, I'm going to be 40 pounds lighter. And in order for that to happen, I got to start working out. Pastor going to break a sweat other than preaching. I got it. It's going to happen. I'm going to go buy my little rubber suit. No, don't talk about my turkey next. I ain't got nothing to do. I can eat the same food. I just got to put in some work. I am. I'm going to oxtails and all. You can't take my food away. Maybe smaller portions. But, but I'll tell you this to say that the way that I'm going to lose it is before I start trying to go to the gym, I'm going to start working out at home. I'm going to work out at home because it's a safe place. Nobody's going to laugh at me. I can't do a sit-up or I do one or two squats and it's over. There's nobody looking at me <laughs> to the point. Say, look at this dude. I'm not going to be on anybody's Instagram. Tell me, look at this dude. Look at this. Look at this. That's not going to be me. By the time I make it to the gym, I'm going to be 20 pounds down already. And I'm going to go in there because I got confidence that I now I need access to more because I've known, I learned how to do what I needed to do. The reason why I tell y'all this is because I'm begging you. As much as I need you to serve in the church, I'm begging you to begin to serve in the church. Because the only way that you're going to begin to serve God outside of the church in the world is if you can at least get over being nervous about serving them in a place that loves you and a place that needs you. I want you to be the best that you can possibly be. And in order for that to happen, you have to be willing to honor God, not just in your mind, but also in your actions. So this is my prayer. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you. For every believer that's in this place, Father God, let me thank you for the word that you've shared. And let me thank you for the element of conviction that you've released on our lives that we should be willing to serve you. So one of the first things that we have to do as a servant is accept your son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. So right now, if there's anybody in the room or online that has not accepted Jesus Christ as a pardon to their sin, God, we give you who we are. We release it in this place. And we say thank you, God, for being all that you are and moving in our lives. We say thank you for giving your son to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for allowing him to live a blameless life, to still be buried and hung on the cross and buried and then rose again. God, thank you for the love that you have for us, that you've made that sacrifice. And that's because of it that we will accept your sacrifice and commit to a life of service. Now that they've committed to a life of service, Father God, I pray for them and every other believer in this place and online that says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm believing, I've been walking in it, but I need to work for it. And I pray that you give them the strength to say, you know what, I know it's hard, I know it's going to be challenging, but I'm going to get it done. I'm no longer holding back. I'm going to push forward. I'm going to make this thing happen because, God, I'm tired of waiting on it when it's been waiting for me. Let me put forth the work. And last but not least, God, I pray for those who are joining our ministry that says, you know what, this is where I want to be. I want to connect. I want to be a part of this ministry. And I'm going to make this my home. I pray that, God, as they join this church, that we be a unit that can function together to give you all the glory, to give you the honor, the praise. 
This is my prayer. God, have your way in your people's life. Move in a way that only you can. And we will give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, come on, can we give God a hand clap of praise? He is worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the app store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.